it going today? I'm good. How are you? Good. I am excited to share the interview that we just did with Anna Horford. What a treat to get to talk to somebody who is related to someone who's actually playing in the NBA playoffs right now. Yeah, it's nice to get that different perspective. We're usually talking to like media people, so it's interesting to get a very different side of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's have a really quick discussion amongst us about what we think is going to happen in those playoffs, and then we'll uh, run the interview. So let's start off with the Eastern Conference in honor of our guest, Anna Horford, the Celtics uh, Center's sister. We'll start with the East. What did you think of the fact that the Cav- or the Celtics just blew the doors off the Cavs uh, in game one of the series? Yeah, so I mean... I personally, so I'll say my prediction for this is I, I obviously, obviously, um, I think the Cavs are going to win this series because I, like I say all the time, I don't bet against LeBron. Um, I think most people are looking at it and if they, if you're looking at it from kind of a narrow perspective, it's, oh, they, they blew them away. There's no chance that they're going to, Cavs are going to come back and win if they obviously lost that badly. Um, which, you know, that that could happen. But if you've been watching the playoffs this year, um, that's kind of been happening to LeBron. <laughs> it's the game one against the Pacers, they got blown out. Game one against Toronto, they won, but they were losing by a lot. It wasn't until the very end or kind of towards the end of the game that they ended up coming back. So I think um, not to say that this is a sign of, oh, it's going to happen again, there's for sure Cavs are going to win, but I don't think that one game is really going to matter. Um, especially if you look at the way LeBron played in that game, you could, everyone keeps saying, Oh, he took the game off and he kind of did. So as, as long as they're playing like that, when the Cavs aren't making their shots and they're missing everything. And if that keeps, if, if they continue to play like that, then yeah, they're not going to win the series, but that I really don't see that happening. That they're going to continue to play that way. So um, yeah, I don't. I'm not worried after that game at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think if we get to game three and they still haven't won a game, then I'll get worried. But until then, I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm. I'm super conflicted on this. But I. I put on my conspiracy hat and started thinking about it today because um, I started thinking about the LeBron press conference because obviously it was LeBron. LeBron had a bad game, right? He um, had what did he have? Fifteen points. Shoot, I didn't look it up. Yeah, but it, was, it was something like he that. had a he had a very poor scoring game. He was definitely not himself. And then when that reporter asked him the question, what happened? And he proceeded to exactly repeat like two for two minutes all of the plays that happened on the court, kind of showing off his memory. But mm-hmm. also I was wondering if he was like trolling people going, do you think that I didn't take this game off on purpose? You know what I mean? Like for somebody who like, I was just like, did he just throw that game? I mean, not literally throw that game, but was he just like, you know what? I'm going to sit back and I'm going to lull them into a false sense of complacency. I'm going to make them think that they have everything figured out. And then I'm going to strike. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch all the plays that they're going to throw at me. And mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to miss so that they keep throwing everything at me. And then the next game, I'm going to apply all that and just like 
tear their throats out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people underestimate. I mean, everyone knows that LeBron obviously has a ridiculously high basketball IQ. But I think even while saying that, so many people underestimate just how high it actually is and how much of the game. Obviously, yes, he's ridiculously athletic. He's an incredible player. But people really like they don't understand how much of it is mental, too. And how much like he outsmarts every single person on the on the court at all times, and I think him if he did take it off on purpose, which I I I also think he did, um, it does it does kind of work in his favor because now he can see okay here's what their game plan is coming into this now they're feeling good about it they're gonna maybe relax a little more or what he kind of gives them this false sense or this false confidence and. That's definitely, I mean, that's definitely a strategy. And I think that he also is kind of tired coming off of two series. So I think he is kind of like, okay, let me take, like, let me relax for a game. Let me take it off. Let me just watch this game and figure out what they're doing, see what their game plan is, and then I'll come in and take care of it. Well, I certainly hope that the rest of the games are closer anyway, because yeah. I didn't watch much of that because I was like, you know, it was Mother's Day. I was in and out and I was just like, OK, yeah, this is this is not worth me watching right now. So I hope that the rest of the games are a bit closer. But moving over to the West, this is the matchup that I've been waiting for all year. How about you? Yeah, I mean, um, I I think I've said this on here before. I typically don't watch Golden State games, um, but I I definitely am interested in this because I don't really know who's going to win. I this is one that I really like don't have a prediction. I I know who I want to win. I want to see Houston win, but I really like cannot confidently make a prediction and like support it at all. <laughs> like I feel like I this is probably the one that most like the the playoff series or the the series that I have like struggled with the most this year of actually like picking a winner, and um, yeah. So, so you I'm you're thinking Golden State? I, I see. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not thinking Golden State's gonna win. I don't want them to win. <laughs> but I'm also not necessarily leaning towards them. I think I'm not really. I kind of go back and forth. Because part of me goes, oh, well, if you look at the regular season, Houston did have a better, like, against just their series against each other. Houston did win more of those games. But, like, you can look at stuff like that. But then you also look at, well, the starting lineup for Golden State just got released. They're playing the Hampton Five. And so, like, you look at stuff like that and you go, okay, so they're they're going full force in game one. And... Golden State full force is hard to bet against. So it's I'm kind of I'm back and forth. I think I think I need to watch like two games first, and then I will have a like good idea of where I stand. But as of right now, I think it's just it could go either way. I just don't know if Houston is equipped because I think I think the the coaching style of of the I mean. I think one of the strengths of Dan, Tony and Houston is that they've got just the right players who play together really well and they all are in the position to be their, be their best and to do their best. 
But I don't think that they run a lot of plays. I think they have a pretty simple playbook book, and they run over and over and over again the things that they do best, which has worked really well. But I think that the team from the Bay Area has more tricks in their bag. And I think that they're tired of, like, you know, they they went from being the darlings of the league to, like, a lot of people all of a sudden don't like them anymore. I mean, I don't even know when that moment happened, but it was like they were, everybody loved them and now everyone's sick of them. <laughs> like, and it happened so fast. And I, I don't think they like being in that position. And I think they got a little bit of an edge to themselves now. Like, think of all those, you know, fouls, all those flagrant fouls or all those ejections that they were getting this year and how cranky they were. And I, I think that they're, uh, they're not having as much fun. And so where they used to play with joy, now they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And I think the last thing anybody wants to come up against is that team with a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's hard to bet against them, but it's, I think in some ways Houston also feels like they have more to prove and they're like, I feel like they're like a little more motivated. Cause that's one thing about Golden State is that even though, yeah, I think obviously they've stopped doing the, oh, well, we can kind of relax and we can have more fun with it. And but like the whole thing they did all season that drove everyone crazy. They obviously they're not going to do that in this series. But the fact that they have been doing it for such a big part of the season, I think like Houston has never been in that mindset. And I think that they're just they're still just like they're just still going on that same train that they've been doing all season. And I think that's kind of, that is almost an advantage in itself because they're just going to keep going through the motions of what they've doing of what they've been doing. Now Golden State kind of has to restart that and that potentially is going to hurt them. So I'm interested to see, because obviously they're not going to take any breaks in this, but I'm interested to see if that kind of hurts them and you kind of see them getting a little lazy at times or different things kind of unintentionally. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Houston can lull them into a false sense of complacency and go out and get blown away <laughs> in game one yeah. and then go back and try a little LeBron trick on them. Maybe they could do that, a little, little reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But I also, I think... In theory, that's good. And I think in LeBron's situation, that obviously, like, he can kind of do whatever he wants and he pulls it off. I think with Houston, I think this game one is a must win for them. I think if they don't win this first game, they're, I think they're going to have a really hard time winning this series. But if they win the, if they win game one, they, they're solidifying that they are. Like they're not going to bat down and they are going to power through this. So I, I think this is probably more than any other game than they, they've had this season. Is This is a must win. Yeah. Well, game, I, and they can lose game two or whatever, but game one, I think this is the most important game for them right now. Well, again, I just hope it's a good series. I think it could go either way. <laughs> I think, I think the it could, you know, we could get, some really good basketball over the next several weeks where uh, both the conference finals and the championships are great. But I think there's also a possibility that if Golden State has really been sleeping this whole season, that it could be real boring for the next month. (laughs) They could just walk right over everybody and it might be like, I mean, I worry that 
if that happens that the ratings will go down because I don't want to watch that, you know? No, and I think that's a big thing is I, I a lot of people don't, at least just just hearing from people that I at least know, basketball fans, and people don't want to see a Warriors-Cavs finals again. And I know that some ratings might suggest it, like ratings in some ways will suggest otherwise based off of last year's finals had higher ratings. But at the same time, if you look at like the true basketball fans, they're done with it. They're over it. And I think, you know, I would, I, I do want to see Cavs and Warriors, but I want them both full strength battling it out. I, I absolutely would because I, I don't want to see the, the finals without LeBron, you know. Yeah. So like I I want to I want to see that, but I want it to be uh, an even match. And if Golden State has been hiding this extra gear this whole time, and now it's Hampton's five from here on out, um, and they you know rip everybody apart, then yeah, I might watch game one, and then after that, I'm like. WNBA is starting up. <laughs> There's uh, the hockey playoffs will still be going on. I, I might even watch baseball because I just don't want to watch Golden State play keep away uh, for, you know, a second year in a row. Well, I think that we should not hold off our interview, playing our interview any longer. Um, let's go ahead and transition into introducing Anna. So um, Anna Horford joined us, and she is the host of Horford Happy Hour, which is a podcast on the CLNS Media Network. She is the sister of NBA star Al Horford. It was really fun to talk to her, and I hope you all enjoy our conversation with Anna Horford. So much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Well, we imagine that you're super busy right now with something, a little something called the NBA playoffs going on, and a close family member of yours playing in them. So we know everyone's time is valuable, uh, but we really wanted to hear some of your thoughts on what or what's going on in the NBA right now, and a little bit more about uh, background about your family. Um, I'm wondering if you could start off by telling listeners about the Horford Happy Hour, your podcast. Yeah, so Horford Happy Hour is uh, just a weekly podcast with varying topics. You know, I've covered everything from basketball to fitness to sex and current events. And um, it's it's been pretty fun. Uh, each week, uh, we feature a different wine or champagne and we pair it with um, the episode. And it started in January. And I just, I kind of got the idea after I was a guest on, on a few different podcasts and, you know, people kind of, um, encouraged me to start my own and CLNS, uh, media network approached me and, and asked if it was something that I was interested in. And I totally was. And, and now here we are. Do you have a, a favorite episode that you've done so far or one that you'd recommend that folks who maybe haven't listened should start with? Um, well, I think a lot of people like the Ask Al episode, <laughs> and um, that was just, uh, I had asked my followers on Twitter uh, if they had any questions uh, for Al, basketball, basketball related or not, and uh, so that was that was pretty fun just because, you know, um, people got to kind of uh, interact with both him and I, uh, and, and so, so I think that was a good one. I think that's one that, you know, people really like, and uh, I I highly encourage you to listen to all of them, though. <laughs> well, kind of on that note, I mean, we have a, definitely have 
have a couple of questions for you about your brother, obviously, especially considering he is currently playing in the playoffs. Um, but when kind of growing up with him, when did you first kind of start knowing that he was this amazing player and that he had a chance of making it into the NBA? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, I'm I'm a fan of all of our siblings. I'm, I'm everyone's number one fan. I think uh, we have a really great support system in our family and um, we all kind of have our own thing going on. But regarding Al and his success, I think that it became really evident during uh, his Gator days. I think, uh, you know, his time with Florida really solidified it for me and, and for a lot of other people that, you know, he was going to be special and that uh, he was, you know, going to make a big impact um, in the NBA. So, so yeah, I definitely think uh, college basketball, the two national championships, uh, and, and, you know, it's just, it's been history ever since. So how do you kind of handle it when, people criticize him because obviously that's such a huge part of sports is people getting criticized and seeing that that's then your brother getting criticized how do you kind of handle that side of it it's really hard sometimes I mean I've gotten a lot better than um, you know where I was a, a couple of years ago and this sounds weird but I'm numb to a lot of the hate and the negativity uh, that kind of comes our way and um, you know I know his talent and his strengths and and no troll on, on the internet's ever going to change that. So, uh, but it does get old, especially when people, you know, try to tell me how I should handle it, especially when they're not in my situation. You know, a lot of people say I should ignore, you know, the trolls and, and people online. But uh, sometimes, you know, when certain lines are crossed, it, it becomes very, very hard to ignore certain things. You mentioned your other siblings, and I know that your your father as well was also a basketball player. You have a really, really sporty family. Um, one of the things that's always I've been always really been curious about is what is it like when um, you know how do you how does how do you manage life when you have all these really sporty people who are playing at a really high level all the time? I mean, I, I have three kids. And none of them are particularly, you know, talented athletically, but we still had a really busy life. <laughs> but you have brothers who played. Your father was a player. I believe, did you play as well? And like, how did you as a, a family just manage all of the logistics of uh, of so many people playing at a high level? Yeah, well, for per like for personally, um, for me, I, uh, I had blown out my knee when I was when I was really young. So so it wasn't you know, the, the basketball spotlight was never really on me, but, you know, it was hectic growing up. Uh, we had our brothers obviously play high school. They played AAU. And then um, my two oldest brothers both went D1. You know, Al went to the Gators. My brother, John, went to Michigan. And um, our younger brother was playing in junior college. And um, so it was, it was always interesting trying to balance everything. One brother would be on TV and uh, we'd be at the other brother's game watching, you know, um, you know, watching Al on my phone while we were watching John live uh, at Michigan and and whatnot. And John uh, was actually in the G League uh, this season. He's been in the G League for, uh, I believe, a couple seasons now. And so even just going to his games, watching Al's games on our phone, you know, we kind of have to take turns. We try to uh, keep track of, you know, um, try to keep track of each brother and, and try to balance it all out. And, um, you know, even though they're at different levels, we, we try to, to 
uh, give equal attention to all of them. So, so yeah. I can't imagine like how busy your, your parents must've been like shuffling everybody around and making sure that somebody was at everybody's <laughs> game. And <laughs> No, I mean, That's... it's, it's, it's definitely helped now with technology now that you can like, you know, pretty easily pull up a game on your phone and whatnot, but like, mm-hmm. Um, we were just always have a really big data plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we're always we're always trying to keep track of um, someone else's game while we're at a game, kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. <laughs> and one of the things that I've really been curious about is, you know, we we read a lot about, you know, so and so had to work really hard, and he put in the work, and he did all these those years. As a family member of somebody who's doing all that work, like, what is that? What is, what is that work that they're doing? Um, are there late night extra practices? Are there extra sessions? Are there just playing in the driveway? What are some of the extra things that uh, players who achieve this extra level that you've witnessed them doing? Yeah, well... So John and Al had a really great trainer. His name is Larry. And, you know, he was constantly in the gym with them. And, you know, they were going beyond normal practice hours. So even at the high school level, uh, putting up a thousand shots a day, you know, doing everything that it takes to get to the next level. You know, a lot of kids, especially I think nowadays, want to uh, reach the next level, but they don't necessarily want to put in the work. And and I think John and Al, um, you know, both had excellent, excellent work ethic and something that they kind of learned a little bit later, I would say college was that nutrition was also extremely vital. John and Al are two of the healthiest eaters that I know um, in the entire world. You know, they're, they're non-GMO, they're organic. Um, they try to eat really clean, especially during the season. And um, so I think that's really important, just like little things like that. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, uh, extra, extra practice, extra, you know, time in the gym, um, all the little things that it, it takes to, to be an elite player. Do you remember them playing with anybody who, uh, like when they were kids that who later went on, uh, you know, to be a NBA player or a college star? Um, well, they were both, they both played for the Michigan Mustangs, which is a pretty prominent AAU team. So, you know, when John and Al played with them, they obviously went on to Florida and Michigan, but their teammates had gone on to places like Michigan State, you know, and, and whatnot. And, and so, yeah, a few of the guys that they, that they played with um, throughout their careers have reached, you know, the professional level, have gone overseas and whatnot. So, so it's really cool to see, um, to see everyone's, you know, different journeys and, and how guys have developed throughout the years. So since we are right in the middle of the playoffs, um, have you been kind of keeping up with um, the playoffs as a whole? Have you mostly just been watching Boston or kind of how have you been watching the playoffs this year? Um, I've mostly been focused on Boston and the East. I've kind of, you know, you kind of give a side eye out to the West. Um, but right now, you know, uh, with with everything going on, you know, basketball is not um, – is not my life. So I don't like to eat, sleep and breathe it all the time. So, so I'm definitely uh, just paying more attention to, to the East and, and where the Celtics are at and whatnot. Um, I am, you know, obviously um, you have the West in the back of your mind because the talent, you know, 
in the Western Conference is just absolutely insane. Uh, it makes you a little bit nervous. So, so you, so, but for the for the most part, yeah, just uh, kind of focused on the East. Do you kind of have a preference of if Boston does make it to the finals of who their opponent is? Do you have a preference of who you want them to be playing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, uh, Golden State uh, and Houston, they both make me so nervous. Yeah. But, you know, Boston played well against Golden State um, at Golden State. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, both teams just, they've got different strengths. And and I think, it, you know, we're such a young team. And people have kind of been underestimating us all season, all playoffs. And so I think, I think either team would be, you know, uh, extremely challenging. Um, but so, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a preference. I think, I think either uh, could give us, you know, a good run for our money. Mm-hmm. And that would be an interesting series. I know that um, at least I've seen online that you're not the biggest Draymond Green fan. So um, I'm sure that would be add a little bit to it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. He was, um he was, you know, he played for state. My brother played for Michigan and, um, you know, I've, I've never been a huge fan of his personality. Um, you know, he's not, he's not the worst player in the world. I just, I like to poke fun at him sometimes because, you know, he's one of those really nitty gritty guys. And, um, so, so yeah. Are you allowed to have like favorite players or is that something that like you can't, you know, pick favorites, obviously besides your brothers, because of course they're number one. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I enjoy watching certain people, you know, I I love watching Steph Curry play. Um, James Harden has been extremely impressive. And, and, you know, um, so, so yeah, I mean, you do have guys that that you enjoy, if you enjoy basketball, you're gonna, you know, enjoy watching these guys play. So, so yeah, but of course, family comes first, and and the Celtics come first and, and whatnot. So, so yeah. What are some of the memorable stories um, that you, some of the stories you like to tell about some of the people that you've met in the NBA outside of your family? Yeah. Well, I know this is probably going to sound strange, but meeting players and coaches is like nothing that's really new for me and my siblings. Um, you know, just cause we've kind of been uh, around professional basketball since we were born. Uh, so, so it's pretty normal. So we don't really get like, starstruck or anything um but you know uh, I talk about how we we met Kobe in his final season and he was just he was very sweet and um you know just he was actually very humble and and we got to talk to him for a bit um and I just told a story on my podcast a couple weeks ago my sister and I when we were in Milwaukee for the playoffs uh you know Danny Ainge comes walking into the, the team hotel we're waiting for Al in the lobby and he just kind of puts his arms around us and we get in this huddle and, you know, he's kind of like, all right, guys, game plan. What are we going to do? Like, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's just funny because, because people see Danny Ainge. And I know a lot of people, you know, he can probably be intimidating to some people, but he's just, you know, he's a, he's kind of a goofy dude, <laughs> really nice. And um, so, so yeah. Um, and all the, you know, all the guys on Al's team have been great. Uh, the guys, when he played in the Hawks, they were all really humble. And it's it's always interesting seeing players kind of outside of their their element or I guess what people would, you know, be used to seeing them in, like like at the arena and at games and, and you know, we see guys at Al's birthday party and, and you see that you see another side of them, you know, you see like a fun side and um, you know, get really get to know like their personalities and whatnot. So so that's always fun and um 
And I always uh, talk about, or I've talked about before how uh, when Al's with the Hawks and, and Chris Humphreys was on the team, uh, we were waiting for Al in Detroit to come out after the game. And, and Chris Humphreys came out and he was, you know, kind of talking to my dad a bit. And then um, I was talking to him a bit. And then um, he kind of like points at my dad. He's like, hey, you should turn around. I like, turn around. My dad's like giving us like the hawk, like hawk eyes, like just like watching us talk because he thinks like, you know, we're flirting or something. And um, so, so yeah, it's, it's always interesting. But like I said, it's it's a pretty normal thing for us. So now that the season, the regular season is over, obviously the talk for NBA awards have has definitely amped up a whole lot. So do you have any big opinions on the MVP race, Coach of the Year, kind of those big awards? Do you have any predictions for those? Um, a little bit. I've thought about it a bit. Uh, for MVP, I mean, I I I see Harden winning, honestly. Um, you know, uh, the Rockets have uh 65 wins and um. He's averaging like 30 points a game, you know, eight assists. Um, and the only other person I could think of is is you could make a case for LeBron just because he's kind of carrying his team at this point. Um, as far as like coach of the year, obviously, I know I sound biased, but I got to go with Brad Stevens. Um, just because he's done so much um, and he's, he's, you know, overcome so much adversity and, and no one's really doing what he's doing right now. So I think he's been extremely impressive. And um, rookie of the year, I had uh, probably Donovan Mitchell. I know that you could make a case for Tatum or Simmons, but, you know, Mitchell was just, he was outstanding um, in the playoffs and, and whatnot. So, so yeah, that's, that's who I've got. Um, and then most improved, I would probably say uh, Jalen Brown, just because, if you look at him last season compared to this season, I mean, he's just come leaps and bounds. It's it's awesome. And then he's really helped our team uh, get to where we're at. So, so he's been extremely impressive. Have you ever attended any of those uh, big events like the NBA awards or like the draft party or any of, or, or uh, the all-star game or any of any of those big events with your family? Um, My family has always, like my dad has always gone to those and, and my siblings have gone. Um, I am like a super busy bee. So um, I, you know, I remember one year, like, like at Al's draft, I was actually like in Vegas for like dance nationals and like, um, you know, things have just, I, things haven't really lined up um, in order for me to, to kind of flip my schedule around and, and head to those things. I would love to go to the NBA awards um, maybe sometime in the next couple of seasons. And um, obviously, you know, the all-star game is, is a really fun event as well. So, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So one of the things we like to ask everybody who comes on the podcast is who is a woman that you admire in the basketball world? Um, I would have to say, I mean, this might be obvious, but um, Becky Hammond, and, um, you know, I, I think that she's just really paved the way for other women. And even though she, especially recently, you know, has been kind of constantly uh, criticized and, and doubted, um, you know, she's, she's breaking into a male dominated field and she's doing it with class and with skill. And uh, she's definitely earned respect from, from her players and from fellow coaches. And, and I think that speaks volumes. And 
I know that a few players had come out and said, you know, um, the only people who, who talk down to women in the WNBA or women in sports are, are fans and not other players. Because, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, professional basketball player is a professional basketball player. And these guys really do, you know, for the most part, respect, um, you know, the the WNBA and, and women in basketball. And, and I think that, I think a lot of guys are, are pushing for, you know, more women um, in sports and, and in these male dominated fields. And um, another person I, I would say um, not a player or coach, but definitely I, I look up to Doris Burke. Um, she's just, she's phenomenal and she has, you know, excellent basketball knowledge and she doesn't budge. She demands respect and, She's really great at her job. So so I think those two, I would have to say, are, are really inspiring. Yeah, two just amazing women. I, I, can either of you imagine or remember ever recalling so much discussion about any other assistant coaches, whether or not they should get an interview? That's the thing that is driving me crazy about this whole Becky Hammond thing is like suddenly everybody has opinions on whether this one particular assistant coach deserves to have an interview. And I don't recall ever having that discussion about anyone else. Do either of you? No, no. Yeah. And that's just, that is like, it's not even just sports (laughs) when it, when it kind of comes to controversial opinions like that. It's, it's women trying to, you know, um, pave the way in, in all aspects of life and, and in different fields. And, and it's really disheartening, you know, it's kind of like, shouldn't we be over it by now? Yeah. Are we still having this discussion? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. Could you tell folks how they can find your work, how they can find the podcast and if they want to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can find me on Twitter at Anna Horford. And um, there's always a link to my podcast um, on my Twitter page. And if you just want to like look it up or Google it, it's just Horford Happy Hour. And uh, yeah, definitely tune in for sure. Oh, I have. To, I was going to ask you of all of the wine, because I know you uh, drink a different bottle of wine uh, for every episode. Do you have one that has emerged as the favorite? Um, that is really hard just because I, I love wine, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I mean, I really like, if you're looking for something like just like really affordable and just like kind of gets the job done and like solid, I love the whole like Apothic series. So Apothic Red, Apothic White, Apothic Inferno. Um, those are kind of like my go-tos. Uh, the one I featured this week is called Cocoa Bomb and it's a red blend and it is delicious it's like one of my new favorites so you guys should go out and try it it's really good (laughs) now we're from oregon so have you ever do you recall if you've sampled any oregon wines i don't know i mean obviously a lot from california but um what do you have one that you recommend I don't really because I'm not a big wine drinker, but I know Oregon Pinot is what's uh, really, really well known. So okay. I'll just put in a plug for Oregon Pinot. Give that a try sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. Will do. Will do. Well, again, thank you so much for your time, Anna. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope everybody gets a chance to go check out the Horford Happy Hour because it's really fun to listen to. Thanks yeah. a lot. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. 
that's going to do it for this edition of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, the What Podcast. We are hosted by Blazers Edge, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. If you like what you heard, please go find the Blazers Edge podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe, rate, and review. We, we release new episodes of the What Podcast every other Thursday. If you want to get notified when the What Podcast episodes are released, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. I'm on Twitter at Kendall Bennett 16, and Tara is TCB Bids or Team Mom Rip City.